Welcome to Rising Stars, where Miriam Knight, publisher of New Consciousness Review, interviews exciting new voices in the world of progressive and transformational books, films, and ideas who offer intriguing perspectives on life, the universe, and everything in between. Join us as we celebrate the conscious awakening and explore many expressions of consciousness in action. Hello, everyone, and welcome to New Consciousness Review and the Rising Stars Show. I'm Miriam Knight, and our guest today is Matt Kahn. Matt is an author, spiritual teacher, highly attuned empath, and has become a YouTube sensation as well. Since experiencing a series of rare and spontaneous awakenings that began at the age of eight, he has been instrumental in transforming lives worldwide through his insights and heart-centered teachings. Today we're going to discuss his book, Whatever Arises. Love that. Matt Kahn, welcome. Oh, thanks for having me. It's an honor to be here with you. I was going to say welcome, Matt, but momentarily resisted the impulse. But the welcome, Matt, is certainly out for you, Matt, both because you're a homie from Portland and also because I found your book most intriguing. You know, I was very moved reading about your childhood where you were already an empath who could sense the anger and sadness in people. How did that affect you growing up? Well, growing up was really confusing because I would sense people's emotions, but I would interpret it as their feelings towards me. So I would constantly as a child walk around and I think the most popular question I would ask people is, are you mad at me? Because I would tune into the unresolved emotions in their body, whether related to their family or whatever situation was in their life, whether they were aware of it or not. And I always interpreted it as this person's lack of acceptance of me. So, and I, and I termed, you know, as an adult, I look back and I termed this phenomenon, vibrational codependency, where I spent most of my life trying to cheer people up, thinking that once they can be happy, then I can be let off the hook and I can be happy and comfortable in their presence. And that was really the beginning of realizing that it's not that people don't approve of me, is that I'm tuning in to the emotional turmoil, upset or imbalances within other human beings. Well, you know, so many people are empathic and maybe don't realize it. And I suspect that that is particularly true of children before they kind of tune out. And that's a big lesson for most of us to realize that um, children and probably other people can pick up and then self-refer these these emotions. We're such a complex species, Matt. How do we ever evolve this way? Well, you know, and what you were saying before about how children who are empaths shut down their empathic abilities or often shut down their intuitive abilities, uh, primarily because there's a set of conditioning that naturally evolves in children, uh, where on a subconscious level we think, If I'm more like others, I'll be better liked by others. And the reason we don't think we are liked by others is because we're tuning into how closed-hearted someone might be, of course, not not related to us, but related to the journey they're on as well. And again, children at a certain age shut down their empathic abilities, thinking if I can be like others around me, I'll be better liked by others. It's really probably one of the biggest reasons I was guided to write this book, Whatever Rises Love That, is for all of the empathic children that are either now teenagers or adults who have shut down. I wrote this book as a way to wake those gifts back up, to wake that light back up so that all of us can learn how to be empaths, but not be tortured by our abilities and actually learn to develop them so we can truly live the lives that we came here to live. You talk about finding your innocence. Is that what you meant? Well, the finding of innocence itself. One, it's a very interesting thing because 
many people are either on a journey of emotional exploration, trying to make sense of their past and heal old wounds. And some people are on a very uh, progressive spiritual path in search of an alignment with divinity, uh, looking for the deepest answers to their most burning questions. And what's interesting is that consciousness itself has two basic qualities. I mean, I'm sure we could talk about more, but the two basic qualities is that consciousness is both all-knowing and all-loving. So someone who is healing from a journey of emotional trauma is learning to reacquaint with the all-loving nature of their consciousness, and someone who's on a spiritual journey is trying to align with the all-knowing aspect of their consciousness, and yet what is all-knowing and all-loving is of the same source. So when we align with consciousness in the way that I teach it is by loving our hearts more, not less. We re- reunite with the innocent nature of our consciousness, where the all-loving nature within us allows the body and personality to feel safe, so to activate and awaken the all-knowing ingenious <laughs> wisdom that's always within us. So what I've seen to be true in helping so many people heal is that when we can feel safe in our body, when we can learn to be the ones that loves and accepts and honors ourselves the way maybe no one else has, by loving ourselves, that's literally what activates our consciousness to expand to its highest potential. That's really the foundation of it all, learning to love yourself, and that can be the hardest lesson that most of us actually have to learn. How do you actually do that? How do you do that? Well, uh, well, oftentimes, the easiest way, and again, a lot of what I offer seems to be very direct and simple, but at the same time, it really invites us to take a step back from our life and to become aware of the different choices we can make throughout the day. So, for example, how do we know when we are in most need of self-love. And I would say whenever we find ourselves being triggered emotionally, if someone hurts our feelings, we find ourselves projecting judgments onto another or kind of lost in making a decision of, I like or dislike this. Oftentimes, whenever we are finding ourselves most triggered in ego, that's kind of like a signal from our consciousness that says, This is a moment where you need the most amount of support because oftentimes when we're in ego, we are demanding and relying on other people to provide us the love that we don't know how to give ourselves. So when we notice ourselves in a moment of turmoil, in need of that love that other people seem to not provide us, we can just stop what we're doing, find a comfortable place to sit, relax our breath. And what I like to suggest is you just put your hand on your heart and just very intentionally and innocently and thoughtfully, like your heart is a child, we just say to that heart, I love you. And even if the words I love you kind of have a a history where people from your past who you thought were there to love you hurt you, you can even ask your heart, what do you need from me right now? And what, we, what happens is we begin to treat our hearts like children residing within us, as if we are becoming parents to the child that lives within us, becoming the mother, becoming the parent, the father, becoming the friend, becoming the lover that we've never had. And we're simply taking a moment from our day, from our busy schedule, from any kind of stress, and we're asking our hearts, Now that you have my attention, how may I serve you? And I think what's really amazing about this is that it creates a very fundamental shift where instead of being spiritual beings waiting to be liberated from our conditions, we are instead becoming the ones that liberate our hearts simply by daring to love ourselves more often. And even if the I love you words don't quite resonate in the beginning, you ask your heart, what are the words you'd like to hear? And you let your heart participate in letting you know what it needs, and then you give it what it needs. And what we find is at that point, we start to heal a lot of these fractures. Our mind and heart start to reunite, and we start to, get, we start to discover a level of wholeness that, although has a lot of spiritual implications, occurs by accessing our highest consciousness 
through the bridge of an emotional level. So it's through the healing of our emotions and changing the relationship with our body and our feelings that we find our our consciousness expanding the most. It's a bit like inner talk because most of us have negative inner talk that goes on all the time and that seeps into our subconscious along with all the negative things that we've ever heard from other children and parents and teachers and the media and so on and so forth. So the repetition is important, I would assume. It sounds a bit like Ho'oponopono. Kind of, except here's what I would say. Um, What if the negative self-talk that anyone can hear inside their head, I would suggest that's the voice of the subconscious. So once you become aware of the inner dialogue within your mind, you're actually conscious of your subconscious mind. And, you know, there are so many different techniques and and offerings out there, and it's wonderful because so many different techniques are going to resonate with a variety of people. And whatever causes Mm -hmm. someone to reunite with their heart, whether it's a Pono Pono or, you know, acceptance or EFT or whatever it is, it's wonderful because whatever it takes for someone to be whole within themselves is amazing. But what I find interesting about whatever rises love that is that there could be an element of repetition where you may find yourself, wow, I have to stop throughout the day and love myself a few times. But I find with a lot of techniques, people get very into the repetition of it. And so then the focus is I'm doing this for a goal. And if we try to love ourselves saying, I'm going to love myself more so I can get away from this discomfort, That discomfort, which is just like one ray of, you know, a sun within us, starts to feel rejected. So whatever rises love that is a very powerful tool that does facilitate deep, you know, transformation and healing. But it can't be done in a repetition where I'm, you know, doing it for a goal. I'm just doing Mm -hmm, it to learn mm -hmm. to love myself. So, Right. Welcome back. We're speaking with Matt Kahn about his book, Whatever Arises, Love That. Now, that sounds like it would be a challenge for, oh, I don't know, 99.999% of humanity. How did you come up with this title and what does it mean, Matt? (laughs) Well, the title came to me very intuitively. Um, You know, my whole life I've been guided with my intuitive gifts and I've just allowed messages to come to me that have just kind of steered me in directions that have, you know, unfolded to bring us to where we are right now. And I remember I was walking around my neighborhood one day and talking to the universe about, you know, what really does the world need right now? And what I was told was four words, whatever arises, love that. And in the beginning, I didn't know really what it meant. I could have asked for clarification, but a lot of times I just like to kind of explore on my own. So I walked around my neighborhood and I saw a bird fly by and I said, well, that's arising. So I sent an I love you to the bird. Um, I saw a city worker who was using a jackhammer to fix the side of the sidewalk and that got my attention. So I sent an I love you silently to him. And I just walked around sending I love you to everything outside of me. And then very soon I realized that while one level of it is you can just send blessings of love to whatever comes your way, which is a contribution to uplifting the vibration of humanity, I realized that everything outside of us is really just a setup to however we react and perceive it is just showing us what part in us is next to be loved kind of like within every heart is an infinite processional line, like different versions of ourselves, as if there's a different version of yourself for every emotion. And everything outside of you is only going to occur in a way that brings you to an exact emotional state just for the sake of loving that part. Now, before the break, we were talking about different processes like Pono and, and, you know, whatever rises, love that. And what's unique about this offering is that we're not just reserving stopping to love ourselves 
when there's a moment of upset. I mean, when there's a moment of upset, it certainly is a glaring sign that right now you need more love, not less. But through this process, it's really not just loving the parts that are in peril, because then the innocence within us always needs a problem in order to have our attention. But we're learning to show all parts of ourselves unconditionally loving acceptance, honor, and self-love. And so imagine a love that we can access as spiritual beings, a love that is willing to love, adore, and honor ourselves, whether we get what we want or not, to be able to love ourselves through the ups and downs of life, even if loving ourselves doesn't stack the deck in our favor. Could you imagine a love that is simply willing to love just because love is what we are, and just for the honor of being able to exist in a form where we can literally become the objects of our own affection just to taste the infinite grace of our own eternal being. And so for a lot of beings who hear that, they say, I would like to experience that, which is why I've created this book as almost like a step-by-step roadmap so that all of us have the ability to truly taste and feel the ecstasy and bliss of our own eternal presence. That sounds like a pretty tall order when we factor in the ego. You have a rather interesting definition of the ego. Uh, and yes its relationship to overstimulation of the nervous system. What did you mean by that? That at a certain point of our conditioning as children, when we take on the belief that says, in order to be liked by others, I have to be more like others, we start to empathically match the vibration and conditioning of people around us, whether in our families and our communities, or even just trying to be more like the children we go to school with. And in doing so, our nervous system starts to repattern into a state of overstimulation. And in, in training and in, in, in balancing or matching and mirroring the energy of those around us, we start to create this psychological cocoon called ego, where it's almost as if our consciousness at a certain level t- uh, takes a nap and goes to sleep. And of course, this is very purposeful because one has to cocoon in order to create the time for the butterfly to emerge. And of course, the cocoon falls apart and the butterfly is liberated, which is symbolic of the awakening of our consciousness. But ego is a very pivotal stage of spiritual incubation where we build up the momentum to wake up out of the dream that was created. And the reason we do this is because we are all interconnected as souls, because on a soul level we are all one. As we go through the remembrance of who we are, as we wake back up in consciousness, it creates an energetic rippling effect that allows all beings to wake up as well. So we incarnate to fall asleep, only to wake back up so that we can wake up the entire world because we as spiritual beings aren't just here to experience our awakened consciousness, but to experience our awakened consciousness as an awakened world. And when it comes to ego, ego simply being the patterns and conditionings and reactions within us, ego was created as the very thing that we can aim our love towards. And it's so easy to kind of have the belief that says once this nuisance and distraction frustration is out of my field, then I'll be a more loving being. But the truth is, is that once we start loving the part of us that is always frustrated, that never has enough, that always craves more, that always feels like life's against us. Once that becomes the part of us that we are loving, just like we're holding and consoling a baby who won't stop crying, we've developed a gratitude that says, thank you for being so difficult to love and helping to remind me how unconditionally loving of a spiritual being that I truly am. And this is really the essence of all spiritual journeys. And if we don't undertake such a tall order, 
there's no way to reach high enough to be able to touch upon the, the, the light of our highest potential. So in the beginning, it seems like it's a really tall order. But if we just take it one moment at a time, just like in this moment, and say, what does my heart need right now from me in order to feel more love, secure, and safe? And if we don't know, we can ask our heart. And we ask our heart, what do you need right now? And oftentimes, the heart may not say anything, because primarily what the heart wants is just for you to ask it a question, just for you to say, I'm going to give you my attention, I'm going to give you the right to speak, and I'm going to give you the right to choose. And just by asking it what it needs, how may I serve you, just that question is already starting to awaken the love that's always been there. Do you see around the planet a different level of awakening than there has been up until now? I've been seeing a different level of awakening for almost 15 years. And it, it just depends on the way we perceive the world, because the physical manifestations of the world represent what is the old paradigm falling away. Right now we are seeing manifestations and creations that would cause a lot of people to believe things are getting worse before they get better, but they are literally catalysts that are just coming up to bring up in each of our bodies and energy fields exactly what has never been truly accepted, loved, and adored ever before in our history. So the physical manifestations are merely the catalysts that create the breaking down of the old guard or the old paradigm, but on an energetic level, the crumbling away of the old is only occurring because it's the ushering in of the new. So on an energetic level, there is such new and fresh and high vibrational energy coming to the planet. And as we all learn to love ourselves more, not less, we learn to be uplifted and expanded by this energy instead of toppled or pushed around by it. And so there are so many beings right now going through rather deep healing experiences and, you know, healing crises and dark night of the soul. And we can give a lot of names to this. But what this means is that humanity is healing at a very fast rate. Humanity is awakening at a very fast rate, primarily because... The earth is already in a fifth dimensional alignment, and this period of rapid acceleration is because once a planet aligns in the fifth dimension, now all of the beings inhabiting that planet have to quickly expand and move forward to align with that vibration as well. So that's why we're seeing a lot of tumultuous activity, but it is all for the purpose of evolving each soul to bring each human being into alignment with the fifth dimension that the earth is already embodying and radiating. Well, I would say that part of the necessary precursor to awakening is recognizing either things in our own makeup or things in the world around us that we have been ignoring and cocooning, if you will, uh, to insulate ourselves from them. And you use the analogy of the cocoon breaking apart. I think that's what's happening on a global, even a political sense. The the coverings are coming off and we're actually seeing and dealing with the problems that are inside and as you say the solution is whatever arises love that however difficult that's right. that might be well and i think part of the i think that the difficulty is just a factor of interpretation because when I say whatever arises, love that, that doesn't mean you have to love the circumstances you're in. That doesn't mean you have to love the political climate you're in. That doesn't mean you have to love the history that you've survived. That doesn't mean you have to love whatever role you find yourself playing or whatever cards you've been dealt. Loving what arises does not mean you have to like or love anything. Loving what arises is the recognition of if I can acknowledge how much pain I feel, how hopeless things seem to be, if I can sense how frustrated I am, how angry I am, how desperate things feel within me, 
or even a depth of loneliness I don't know how to face. If I can sense whatever degree of suffering occurs in me for whatever reason, the question is, don't I deserve the most amount of love during a moment like this? And if we can answer that with a yes, then the next question is, am I open to learning how to being the one that becomes that love, that gives me that love and nourishment for the well-being of my journey? Mm-hmm. Well, we are going to take another break, and we will be right back with Matt Kong and his book, Whatever Arises. Love that. We'll be right back. Free your mind with Ohm Times Radio, IOM FM. Ascending Hearts is no ordinary dating site, but a spiritual dating site with a purpose, to link you with your soulmate. We engineer the serendipity so you can trust that you will attune with someone that has the same matching vibration as you. Ascending Hearts, the conscious dating site for the spiritually aware. Try Ascending Hearts for free, ascendinghearts.com. Grab a cup of tea or a glass of wine and tune in for inspired conversations with publisher Linda Joy on Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern. Linda creates sacred space for leading female luminaries, empowering authors, heart-centered female entrepreneurs, coaches, and healers. A soulful venue where guests openly share the fears and obstacles they've overcome, wisdom and lessons learned, and the personal journey that led them to the transformational work they do in the world. Inspired conversations to empower you on your path to authentic, soulful living. Sparky the Fire Dog here. Make sure your family has a fire escape plan, and they practice it twice a year. One important thing to practice is get low and go. If you see or smell smoke, it's important to get low and go. Protect your family from fire. For more information, visit sparky.org. We want to keep you, your family, and your community safer from fire. This message brought to you by the National Fire Protection Association and your local fire department. Visit sparky.org. Welcome back. Matt, one of the teachings that you offer in the book is an encouragement to people to create a personal love statement. I wonder if we can talk a little bit about that. What might that be? Absolutely. To create your personal love statement, again, and we touched upon this in the earlier segment, is to really open a dialogue with your heart and to really ask your heart, what are the words that you never heard from others that you've always wanted to hear. And so whether we think back in our past to the character that hurt us the most, and we think, what would I have wanted them, what could they have said that would have made me feel better? And sometimes we have to give this a little bit of space and time to let the words come up. Sometimes the words will be, I'm sorry. Sometimes the words will be, you're safe. I love you. You're beautiful. I always want to hear what you have to say. And we just take the time to to really tune into, rather than hold a grudge with the past, rather than judge or condemn anyone for their actions. Because again, any actions against us is only one unaware of the deep healing journey and spiritual awakening that they're going through. So really true forgiveness is the ability to say, instead of holding my life against any character or the past, what are the words I never heard or didn't hear enough that, that would have made my life so much better? And whatever those words are, we begin to speak those words to ourselves on a regular basis like a personal love statement. And so whether that means stopping throughout the day, taking a, a few moments to take a few slow breaths, and saying that personal love statement to our heart just a few times in a row, what happens is... When we start to become the ones that tell ourselves the words we've never heard or haven't heard enough, by becoming that healing nourishment that the past seemed to have withheld from us, 
we on an energetic level begin to let go of each grudge, heal every wound, and it really becomes the essence and a new way of looking at forgiveness, that rather than think that I have to say the words I forgive to another character, true forgiveness is noticing what they didn't give me emotionally and using the power of our words and our intention to give those words to our heart. And when we can give to ourselves whatever someone else seemed to have withheld from us, we have then activated the true essence and power of forgiveness. It's really a way to build up your own emotional muscle, your own sense of identity, so that you can let the slings and arrows kind of roll off your back instead of internalizing them and uh, being hurt by them. Absolutely, so and I would say own, that, yeah. Yeah, and you would say that? Well, I would agree. I would say that just just to um, just to highlight the immense power and capacity of loving what arises is that as we become to you know, as we become beings who establish our personal love statement, which by the way can change over time. There might be a series of words you say to yourself one day, and the next day your heart may want to hear different words, or it may change month to month or whatever. So we're just constantly being in tune and attentive to the needs of our heart to see whatever it needs. When we access the power of our personal love statement, instead of living as beings who are whose identities are a product of the past, instead, we become a product of our own willingness to cultivate love and to access forgiveness by loving ourselves the way no one else has. So when we do this process, it's as if the subconscious mind empties out and all cellular memories empty out from the past so that we don't walk around as products of the past. We simply walk around as products of our own cultivated loving kindness. And that's when we start to create very extraordinary worlds from the inside out. And I'm sure that it has tremendous health benefits as well because we do somatize, we internalize the negative feelings and if we can get rid of them, you know, one after the other, then uh, all kinds of wonderful things could happen. Now you talk about um, a love revolution and taking this same approach out into the world, into our relationships with others, how does that uh, have us relate to other people? Well, primarily, when we are realizing <clears throat> that any response we have to others of the world is an invitation, an opportunity to love ourselves more often, what that does is it raises the vibration of our, our field. And as our vibration elevates, we increase the likelihood that we are going to call out of each character around us the most high vibrational version of that person. So by loving ourselves in the presence of others, we give others permission and opportunity to experience their highest potential reflected in our presence. And if we would, you know, dare to see a world that says, I only live in a world where things seem to happen a certain way, to trigger the exact feeling in my body that allows me to focus on where does that personal love statement, where does my loving kindness need to go next? We are literally taking a step forward and fulfilling our purpose in learning how to love ourselves so decisively that, of course, through our hearts, through the center of our being, as we love ourselves, Simultaneously, blessings of love and healing are sent to every being in existence throughout all dimensions, time, and space. So we literally assist in uplifting the vibration of all of existence just by loving ourselves more often. And what, and what happens as we do that is it really changes our mentality about the spiritual journey. And instead of negative emotions being something to get rid of because again i was talking about that earlier where a lot of processes that you know have the best of intentions want to guide beings beyond personal suffering which of course that's obviously the goal is to be free of personal suffering but when the mentality is trying to do a process 
to get rid of the negative emotion, we are still treating the negative emotion as something worth rejecting. So if we thought of our emotions like children, even a child who is always angry, that child needs more love and kindness and acceptance not more rejection. So when we love what arises, not only are we participating in the evolution of humanity, but we are really shifting our mentality into the most honorable frequency so that even when we feel the most discomfort or frustration, instead of thinking of a spiritual journey as how I can get rid of this stuff, it really is about how much more softness can I bring to this emotion and part of myself so that I can literally grow into the angel and spirit guide that resides within me. Another big shift in the spiritual path is it seems that we have angels and spirit guides around us, but as we start to love ourselves more often, we are actually growing into being the angel and the spirit guides that live within us that we've always been destined to be. That sounds really wonderful, but we are human, and how do we maintain this attitude when we're subject to all kinds of insults or assaults Mm -hmm. of any kind? Well, to maintain that attitude would be less receptive to how hurt you are by people who are insulting you if that's what's happening. So imagine a level of consciousness, which is not far away from here. It's actually already here. Imagine a level of consciousness that says, I'm not trying to maintain love as a way of being less receptive to my hurt. Instead, when consciousness awakens, I'm becoming more aware of my hurt so that I can become more aware of all the times when I can use it as an opportunity to love myself. So imagine a level of consciousness where we could actually be more aware of our hurts and yet have a level of gratitude that says, thank you for making me so keenly aware of my hurt so that I can love myself and be the spiritual first responder that responds to myself. So many times in the old spiritual paradigm, the the stance or the position is how can I maintain a high energy so I can be less affected by the low energy? And And in the new spiritual paradigm, as painful as it is, we are becoming more aware of our pain just so that we can respond faster and more immediately and more decisively to the parts of ourselves that call out for love. I mean, imagine the divine, if the divine said, I'm going to embody a level of consciousness to where I can be one with the light and not affected by the pain and suffering of beings who have incarnated. Like as if divinity decided its goal is to be beyond all of this, it would be less receptive to all the prayers that humanity is sending out. And of course, divinity does not want to be beyond all of this. That which is beyond all of this is that which is willing to live all of this out and be right here right now and to say, even if it's painful, even if I didn't expect it, even if I feel like the way someone treats me, I didn't deserve it. Within me already is a level of gratitude that says, thank you for making me aware of my pain and suffering so that I can learn to respond to that within myself that needs more love. And as we engage loving what arises, we become more grateful for life, no matter how it seems or appears. And instead of trying to maintain a certain energy so not to be affected, we are grateful for how aware we are for the things that may hurt, because that just shows us a childhood need that we can pick up like a parent and love it through its evolution. It sounds interestingly challenging why why do we have to go through all of this in the first place why are we here because this is spirit guide training the earth is the angel academy and this is where souls come told they're going to be the guide and guide us and guide a being through their evolution on the human plane and guide them through their healing journey and awakening and when we get here we start to realize oh i am not guiding another person through their journey i am actually living inside the body of the one i am guiding 
And so spiritual awakening is the realization that the body you inhabit, the personality of who you seem to be, is the character throughout this evolutionary play that you as a spirit guide are escorting out of the darkness and into the light as your training ground as an angel or spirit guide in, in human form. And so we are here tuning into our angels, receiving guidance from spirit as we undertake the journey of becoming spirit guides, masters, and angels unto ourselves, where we discover that the true essence of being human is embodying divine perfection, just as we are. Matt, before we go on, can you tell us what your website is? How do people find out more about you? Absolutely. For more information about our live events and to sign up for our free newsletter where you receive a free MP3 activation that we recorded at one of our events, uh, please visit truedivinenature.com. That's T-R-U-E-D-I-V-I-N-E-N-A-T-U-R-E.com. Very good. Yeah. So with some of the really desperately heavy events going on around the planet. Um, how can we use your teachings to really make a positive contribution? Well, I think it begins with, it starts from within. We always hear that, but here's the nuts and bolts of how we can go about that. So, you know, we were talking a few minutes ago about loving what arises, and you had said that sounded challenging. And just use that as an example. What if the one who thinks something is challenging is literally just the next one in line to be loved? What if the one who has an adverse opinion about the world in view is only having that opinion desperate to get your attention, eager for your loving attention, but is so afraid of asking for love because it fears being rejected that all it knows how to do is just get your attention by appealing to your interest. So what if any adverse opinion we have about the world is just the next one to be, you know, next one in line to be loved? What if the one who is feeling hopeless by the things we see in humanity is the next one in line to be loved? What if the one who thinks that any Thing is challenging is next in line to be loved. What if the one who is instantly frustrated by challenges is only next in line to be loved? What if the one who doesn't know how to feel love only doesn't feel love because it's next in line to be honored and recognized? And what if the one who doesn't know how to let love in is just next in line to be honored as an equal aspect of our own divinity. Even if we recognize it and we put our hand on our heart and our heart and we say, I see you, I honor you, whether you let this in or not, I love you. So loving what arises is when we define our contribution into the world, we create a tipping point that accelerates awakening on a global level. And instead of looking for the evidence in the world that this is working, we are simply focused on being the greatest loving parent and companion to our own heart and going about our day, perhaps sending love blessings to the people we pass by in traffic. And anytime we feel anything arise, just like in traffic, we have red lights and green lights. And anytime there's something that arises, it can be like a red light where we momentary pause. And in that pause, we can just put our hand on our heart, whether repeating our personal love statement or just breathing into our heart and saying, I'm here with you. Please tell me what you need. I love you. And by learning to love ourselves with more gentleness, with more softness, by not having the standpoint that I wait for my body and world to change before I bring my highest qualities out to play, we become the ones that are not waiting to be liberated by the conditions of the world, but we become the ones that liberate ourselves to remember the angels we already are and to recognize the perfection within us that exists no matter how flawed or in the flow we seem to be. Whatever arises, 
love that. And you don't have to like it in order for it to be loved. And the more permission you get to not like something, the easier it is to see. I recognize the one who doesn't like is only next in line to be cherished, honored, and adored as never before. It's a bit like a good parent who may not like what a child does, but they still love the child. That's absolutely true. Yeah. You mentioned in the book that some of our challenges might have been carried on for lifetime after lifetime uh, due to vows, contracts, and so on. And you suggest ways of actually relieving that, releasing that. How does that work? Through my work, you know, intuitively with so many beings, what comes up intuitively are various past lives. Now, not everything going on in us is related to a past life, but it is certainly common for there to be cellular memories inside of our bodies where we begin to remember different lifetimes as different characters. And in that, resolve needs to occur energetically. And what I have found by working with a lot of very energetically sensitive souls, very bright, shining lights, beings who are very evolved, but tend to be stifled and suppressed by the collective energy instead of uplifted by their expanded awareness, I find that there are beings who have been monks and nuns in past lives, and I was intuitively guided to help them end and release those vows, simply because those vows, as beautiful as they are, are always vows taken on when one is asleep in the cocoon of ego. And so as we bring a lot of these vows to an end, it is a way where we are releasing ourselves from being an ego subservient to God as if the universe is this cosmic parent above us and instead allowing the entire totality of the universe to be recognized as the absolute truth within us. And so in the book, I walk people through a process of just allowing some of these vows from different lives to reach a point of conclusion. So instead of being a person trying to align with divinity, we allow that divinity to wake up within us. So instead of being people trying to be divine, we can begin to live as divinity appearing human in form. And it's the fundamental shift that awakening brings to each and every one of us. And of course, loving what arises is one of the most miraculous and direct ways to usher in that awakened truth. Is this what is your understanding of oneness? Yes. Oneness is when the divine in you is recognizing itself as the light of another or the divine of another. And when there's that recognition of divinity between two beings, there is often a feeling of peace, connection, well-being, like a, like a spiritual magnetism. And we can call that connection love. Um, a lot of beings walk around trying to feel connected to all things in time and space, and that's really not how oneness is as a lived experience. Because all of our souls are formless, the oneness of we are all one light or all one formless reality is actually the feeling of emptiness. And so as we love ourselves, we're also making peace with emptiness, which may have been judged as depression or loneliness or feeling separate from divinity. And in that emptiness that we make peace with by loving ourselves more often, we can become one with all that is. But it is a one that instead of feeling like these energetic cords connected to all people is simply one love existing and dwelling in all forms. So when we are truly living in oneness, we are one with the emptiness within us, and we are loving our own hearts, so to uplift the vibration of the world in view. Well, that is absolutely beautiful, Matt. Tell me what you do in your teachings, in your classes. Well, it's very spontaneous because intuitively I'm tuning into the collective group soul, as I call it, of all the beings that come to our events, our soul gatherings, or our five-day 
uh, soul convergence events. And the beings who assemble, it's like all souls create a group soul. And as I sit on stage, I'm tuning into the Akashic Records and tuning into what needs to be said, resolved, and activated so that the people that are here can leave more evolved and uplifted than ever before. And so whatever I wind up saying is intuitively guided. The energy that comes through the sound of my voice creates the healing, which clears away and activates whatever is necessary. And oftentimes I do these repeat-after-me statements where I have people say out loud what the Akashic Records is having me tell people, because it's one thing to hear me say something, but when I have you say with your own voice the very words the Akashic Records is saying, <clears throat> it's a way to really clear out so much and to get through this healing journey in a rather, rather progressive way. <clears throat> because my interest as a healer, my interest as a light worker, as a teacher, whatever name you know one wants to call me, my interest is not only helping people heal, but my goal is I want people to be free from the need to have anything to heal. What I want is for beings to be so in tune with their divinity that we live our lives basking in the light and glory of our own innocence and watching the magnificence and perfection of our true essence come to life as the heaven around us. So my goal, whenever I'm at an event or even on this interview, my goal is what am I being guided to say or do to accelerate the consciousness and journeys of all beings in the most loving, thoughtful, and compassionate and miraculous way. And that's what literally inspires and drives me each and every day to serve this gorgeous planet and this remarkable species and all of humanity in every breath. So are your upcoming events on your website? Yes, many upcoming events. We are 2017's uh, calendar is just becoming settled, and so we are going to be traveling. Julie and I, my wonderful uh, teaching partner, who, you know, so much of her shamanic background and sound healing is a wonderful complement to this work. We're going to be going all over the country and helping people love what arises. I'm so excited. Great. And we can find that on truedivinenature.com. Matt Kahn, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. And thank you for listening. I'm Miriam Knight for New Consciousness Review. Join us next week. And in the meantime, visit ncreview.com. Many blessings. Goodbye. Thank you.